Due to the graphic nature of the personal accounts and content discussed in this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Many episodes will include graphic personal accounts and discussions of child sexual assault, domestic violence, physical abuse, rape, sexual situations, and suicide. So welcome to Latter-day Survivors. I'm Christina. I'll be your host today. This morning, our guest is Ari. Um, Ari is a survivor who reached out to us through our Latter-day Survivors webpage, and she has a very, very compelling story to tell. Um, She is going to speak anonymously, so as far as introductions go, I'm not going to say much more than that. I'm just going to let Ari tell her story and introduce us and tell us what she would like us to know about her. So Ari, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and share your story. I know uh, it can be a really, really hard thing to speak out, uh, but a lot of people find that when they do, it's very, very healing for themselves. So um We typically like to let survivors tell their stories in whatever way works for them. So I'm going to, I'll turn it over to you and you can kind of start wherever you want to start. Oh my goodness. It's it's one of those things that's hard hard to know where to start, where you don't even know how it started. (laughs) That's kind of where I'm at with my story. But um, just a quick introduction, just to, um, I'm, I am a mom of nine children. (laughs) I did, I did the thing. I I multiplied and replenished the earth. <laughs> You're busy mama. <laughs> my, my oldest is, is eight, just turned 18 two days ago, and my youngest is three. Wow. Uh, so, you know, and I, I love them all, and, and, I, and I did what I was told. And so, and so it's just kind of one of those, those, I don't know, that's just kind of something I won't talk a whole lot about, but I'll try to. But, I mean, I never thought that I would leave. Like, this was not in the cards, like, sorry, even a little over a year ago. Like, not even on my radar. <laughs> so so you're just pretty fresh out then. I mean, I, there's, <laughs> I've heard it described as a slow burn versus a Mack truck. <laughs> I was hit so hard um, last, oh gosh, last May. So, um, yeah, so my story, I guess I can just, you know, I, 
can start where I got hit. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, um, so basically, you know, it kind of started about, gosh, actually the beginning of the end for me was the beginning of 2021 last year when a brother of mine announced that he was getting a divorce. Um, he and, and he'd only been married two years. And the, the reason was because his wife had a faith crisis. And, and that was like, I loved his wife. I, I just thought there, in my mind, I thought that's, there's got to be a bigger picture here. Why are we allowed to do this? And his wife was having, um, they were having fertility issues. And she was, she, her faith crisis, from what I was told, started with just <laughs> um, her patriarchal blessing. This is what I was told, said that she wouldn't have a heart, would, wouldn't have trouble having children. And so she started to question patriarchy and patriarchal types of stuff. And she started to research and she, it sent her down. I mean, not, I don't like the word down. It sent her on the path toward learning and 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 so but my brother divorced her over it and so for me holy moly I I don't think that's right and I remember sitting across from my husband in our front room and I just asked him if I left the church would you leave me and his his answer was instant no (laughs) it was just and then he put the question on me, and I didn't think about it. Wow. I was so, like, indoctrinated in this, we're all in this. You don't leave this thing. And that was a huge turning point for me. Like, I got to do some self-check here. What's more important to me? And so I started to deconstruct a little bit more, like, day after day. You know, I would just kind of think peel away layers of like what is important why does why do these little things matter and I start to see people with shoulders and I start to see I'm like why does that why is that such a big deal and so that was just kind of I hadn't I didn't lose my faith I just thought that these little things were just not as big of a deal as we were making them out to be and then I then just like a couple months later um Another brother announced that he was getting a divorce. Wow. And he'd only been married a year. Wow. I just knew, I was like, that first divorce sent me for a loop. I just thought, and I didn't even get involved. For just, it was just, I thought, I am just going to tell my my little brother, and he's, I'm one of 10. I'm the third oldest of 10 children. And he, so this younger brother, 16, 17 years younger than I am. And he just, I just wanted to just say, I am so sorry. That must be so hard. So I just sent a quick, I'm like, I'm not going to get involved. And then I had this thought, I'm a runner and I went out running and I thought, you're his, you're his big sister. You need to listen to him. Mm. And, and so I, texted him I said hey if you need me to listen I'll listen and he um he called me and he told me about a very difficult marriage where you know 
and I can't speak. I wasn't there, but in his, in it's hard for me to speak for what happened in his marriage. But from what he told me, it was just there were a lot of very sad things, and the police were called. Oh, I'm sorry. So, and and it just from his side, it sounded like it was a very just difficult. And but I had this, and I here's the thing: I can't even explain anymore what it is, but I had a, just the overwhelming thought that there was more to this story that I needed to be aware of. It was like those words, there's more to this story that you need to be open to is what the words were. The universe, whatever, spoke those words. That works anymore. And I had no intentions of searching for that answer. Why was this like why do I need to know this? But I'm not going to go ask his wife. I'm not going to get in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and not even an hour later, I get a text message from his wife. And she said, would you be open to hearing my story? And I knew I had to say yes. And the thing is, I didn't know her very well. She, um, I didn't even have her name in my phone. <laughs> That's how... I didn't know her very well. She's that much younger and they don't want to be married a year and they didn't, you know, so that was, I had to even, this is just giving context. I did not even know who was texting me. <laughs> so I didn't want to be involved and, but I knew that I needed to listen to her. That's so interesting that you didn't know her that well enough that you didn't even have her in her, in your phone. And yet somehow she still felt comfortable coming to you. So Kind of really meant to be, huh? That was that was the thing. It was like, you know, I had to text. I'm sorry, who is this? <laughs> right. And and she told me. Well, this is kind of jumping, but she told me that her mom, and this is jumping a little bit ahead, but her mom had seen me at their wedding, and she said when things started to come crashing down for her daughter, for my sister-in-law, she said. Ari is different with her children. I noticed she was different. I think she's safe. Mom. I had met her mom for maybe five seconds at the wedding. That was all. You know, I had nine children. I was chasing them the whole time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Playing soccer at a field afterwards and stuff. And Anyway, but that was what she told me. But So I ended up, I, I listened to her. I, it's just crazy how it just kind of played out just because I just, I did, I just, I never have time, but I had time and I yeah. listened and, and I, and she told me everything my brother told me plus a little bit more just, and she didn't blame him, but it was really just a very, a, a marriage with abuse in it at my brother. And, wow. um, and I believed her. Because I knew I grew up with it. Uh, and not my dad was not abusive, but my mom was. Okay. And so, but the thing is, I just listened. I listened for, it was probably a good hour, hour and a half. I listened. And I was not prepared to say anything. I just wanted to listen to her. Mm-hmm. The end of the conversation, she said, um, she was trying to make sense of where this came from, all this abuse. And she said, was your dad abusive? And I had an 
I was at that, like, <laughs> I had to either deny it or make her and make her feel crazy or validate. Like, it was just like one of those universe-shaking moments of what I say now is going to, to change everything. And so I said, I said, no, but my mom was very hard. Mm. That everything, that's all I dared to say. And so um, I knew, like, I could feel it. I don't know how, to, I could feel a shift. I said, that's what I said is going to change everything. Yeah. I said something out loud to a person of consequence. Yeah. And that night, I couldn't sleep, and I told my husband, I said, I've got to go talk to my dad. I have, we have to fix this. We have to, our family has problems, and we're hurting people. Um, my older sister died of suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry. Suicide 16 years ago. And that's another arm to my story. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, and, and I knew our family had some problems and we needed to fix it. And so I drove down at 5 a.m., three hours south to where my, where my dad had a trail. And I, and I decided I have to go for a walk. And I told him what had happened, and I talked to my sister-in-law, and it went well, and I told him about the abuse, my mom. I told him about it. I tried to tell him my whole life. Wow. And this time I had him, he was my audience. He, I know he had no distractions. It was just, and he acknowledged it. He acknowledged it. And he told me that I needed, uh, sorry, he, I needed to forgive my mom. And I needed to look at all the good things she was giving me. Oh, that's so hard. And I was going to do it. Because it wasn't the first time he said that to me. Mm-hmm. I was going to do it. He told me he grew up, that she grew up in an abusive household and all of those things. And, and that it, the cycle is hard to break. And, and he's a therapist. He is a marriage and family therapist. Oh, that, that adds another interesting layer to things, doesn't it? <laughs> and but I trusted my dad. I trusted him, and I, and and he, just that was the the you know just in a nutshell that's what that was. And I left once again. Okay, I'm gonna forgive my mom. And he told me he was gonna take care of things. He's gonna talk to my brothers, and he was gonna take care of things. And, and I felt like I had done my part. Mm-hmm. Um. So I left feeling okay, and it didn't take a couple of days. But suddenly there was a smear campaign against me. Uh, I was, my okay, younger brothers were telling other people not to talk to me. I, my dad had, I mean, it just, I could feel it. I don't know if you've, if anybody's been a victim of a smear campaign, it's just, you don't know. Like I, I describe, I went for help and I left with a target on my back. And, and just, it was it was killing me. I didn't know where things were coming from, and my dad had I don't know if he just <laughs> I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but suddenly he was saying I was the liar that I had said things and that I was um, had um, I had he said that I had cornered him and I had made him say things and and I didn't and and so I had brothers who were it just and my younger sister they just 
were just, it was just, it's hard to explain other than there, I was being attacked and yeah, I didn't know. And I was trying to explain, no, I didn't do any, it was just lie after lie that I had said things and I had done things and I, I hadn't. And so in that smear campaign, I, you know, I had a brother who got home from a mission in the middle of all of this. Oh, wow. Baby brother. <laughs> wow. And I couldn't be there. I couldn't, couldn't be around my family. I was, I couldn't. And, and that started a whole other thing. He started, I mean, to have a return missionary call you all sorts of names. You haven't seen him in two years to say you've done all sorts of things. Like, you know, it, I, it's just that he said that I was accusing my brothers of abuse. Mm. I, I had only gone to my dad, you know, that I was telling them people that I was saying things and I hadn't said anything, you know, yeah. all of that stuff. But there's one thing I did do. There was a, I'm a writer and I had written a Mother's Day article. And it, I, I guess it, it was just a silly Mother's Day article that said, I don't like Mother's Day. <laughs> it was so silly. It was so silly, but it. It was supposed to be funny because, you know, it's just I kind of write humor types of things sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it hit a chord with some, with a, a lady and she opened up, she messaged me and she opened up about how she grew up in an abusive household. And, and it brought some things up for her. And I didn't talk about abuse, but I guess mm -hmm. I mean, something triggered in her. And I all I said to her was, and it, just in a... Facebook message that I I understood and I had grown up also in an abusive household and it didn't stop with my it had continued on with a couple of brothers that's as simple as it was and I mean I feel like I hope I'm making sense because it all kind of happened so fast oh yeah you're this is making perfect sense and um when the smear campaign was 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 coming at me my brother who had just returned home from a mission, I said, what, you know, what is happening? And he said, check your Facebook messenger. And I'm like, what? Check my Facebook messenger. Because I was just, there were, you know, and I found out through a series of events. And I can't just describe how it all happened, but that my mom had gotten into my Facebook account. Mm. Mm. He took that message and shared it with my siblings and said telling you oh. that they were abusive, that I was spreading these things. It was really just a lady that they didn't know and I barely knew. Right. No, and and that was the only but she made this whole big thing that I had been spreading things and I didn't. Um and I have to tell how I found out she got into my thing was another one of those and I know this can be triggering for spiritual experiences it was one of those experiences when I just had a, the words in my head check your Facebook activity mm -hmm. and I on Facebook in a long time um only messenger and and I saw I I saw that you could do that and I saw there are lots of logins to my account wow and and there, and then another in my mind was check 
check out those IP addresses because I see these IP addresses. I didn't know that you could find check IP addresses. I found this site and I copied and pasted and it pinged right in the town my, my parents live in. Oh my goodness. Screenshotted it and I, I screenshotted where it was and in all of the logins for many, many, many days. And I sent it to my dad and I said, I said, she got into my Facebook account. I'm out. This is not okay. And he said, what are you going to do to turn me in? So I had him admitting that they had gotten into my Facebook account. Wow. And so when I knew I was being lied about and I was getting pushed out and, and all of these things, I started to question my whole growing up. Sure. And this is like a lot of people leave the church um, first and then lose their family. Mine is the other way around. Um, so I guess I just, um, I started to deconstruct my family. Yeah. Because my mother was told terrible things about aunts and uncles. And my older brother I was estranged from. He's 15 months older than I am. Mm. And I've stolen money <laughs> for years and years and years. And I... I actually went to him. He was one of the first people I called after speaking to my my sister-in-law because I had seen him get abused. Mm. And I knew that he was an ally in that. And I knew. Yeah. He, I, we had an unspoken knowledge that we knew. And and so I went to him again. And, and it was like I equated to asking if the church isn't true. I asked him if the things that I was told about him were true. And and he said no. He didn't know. He knew that he was exiled, but he didn't mm-hmm. understand all of the lies that were told about him. And I, I asked so many questions, and then I was like, if that's not true, what else isn't true? And I started to, you know, there are lots of things that, you know, I was old growing up about aunts and uncles and, and things. And I have an aunt that lives nearby and I went for a walk with her and I asked some questions and she's like, no. And I, you know, and I started to learn about narcissism <laughs> through, mm-hmm. through this therapy. I started, But that, I started to learn that this was a thing. And then mm-hmm. part of a thing. But I just thought it was just if if my parents lie, I didn't want to go to their heaven. I said, mm-hmm. well, they lie and they abuse. And, but they go to the temple. My dad's been a bishop. My mom's been, like, I mean, they are, they lived not very far from the temple. I mean, it's a daily thing. <laughs> you know, it's just their lie. And I thought, I don't like the temple. Yeah. And... I don't want to go where they're going. Mm-hmm. And that, if that's their heaven, I don't want to be there. Yeah. And and I and it was a stupid thing. Just if they can lie, I can show my shoulders. Like it was just such a silly thing. Just a little act of rebellion there. <laughs> my shoulders. If you can lie and abuse, I can show my shoulders. And I questioning the church. I just was like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I don't need to do. You know. 
because I was, I always felt like I had to stay covered and I had to just look the part and be the part. And I was like, no, 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 I don't. And I have my children. And, and then um, when I started to have kind of this quote unquote faith crisis, you know, it was my husband, he, uh, he told his mom about it, but it's just, I, I didn't want to go to church. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, that stuff. And, um, and she, she said, oh, is it over church history? Is she? <laughs> and it was just this whole church history. Is she leaving? And I, I hadn't even, not even a thing, not even on my radar, you know, mm-hmm. not even like, I just didn't want to lie. In it. I just didn't anyway, but then she, she brought up the CES or she's a, she's a true believing <laughs> still is, but she had heard about it. And she asked if I had read that. I'm like, I haven't even heard of that. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And I was so indoctrinated that I wasn't going to read that thing. That was not church approved. I was not going to read that thing. Right. But we're told not to read any of that stuff. <laughs> you know, just church approved. And I told my children that church approved. If you want to know about the church, you only to church sources. If you want to learn, you know, but. So I started with the essays. I just was like, okay, those are, that's church history and it's on the site. And so I think mm-hmm. my story is a lot like most people is that part was, I read every single essay with, without the apologetic mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Learn, because I had read some and I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. They're, apo- you know. And, you know, would kind of gaslight myself back into the the church and distort my own. But I read every single one of them. And I read, you know, the Book of Abraham one. I, mm-hmm. And I just remember just, I was in the car and I just sunk. I felt like my body was sinking into the bottom of the floor. <laughs> like, mm. What am I part of? This is, this is not true. This, you can't change words. You can't say translation means one thing. and You can't define words differently than they are actually defined. Mm-hmm. Translation. And I didn't know anything about Joseph Smith in a hat, like the stone. I didn't, I just, I stayed the course. I didn't know anything. And, and then when I finished that, I was like, I give myself permission now to ask outside things. What is this? Mm-hmm. And so I did. I read the CS letter in one day and I just totally digested it. And I just was like, no, this is, this is not okay. And I saw myself in Jeremy Reynolds. I saw somebody who went, he just asked questions. From what mm-hmm. he just brought this to his, whether I remember a family member, grandpa, I don't know, he brought these questions. And it was you know, essentially he was ex- excommunicated for asking questions. Just for asking questions, right? Yeah. And, and I was excommunicated from my family for opening up about abuse and asking questions. Mm-hmm. And I saw the same in him, in the church. And that's like, no, no, no. 
And so I, I knew it wasn't true. I knew it. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I I wanted to point out what you just said. I thought that was such a unique thing to say. And I don't even know if you caught yourself making that analogy when you said Jeremy Runnels was excommunicated from the church for asking questions and you were excommunicated from your family for doing the same exact thing. And um, it's so interesting when we hear stories of people who like you say, have perpetrated abuses and they don't get excommunicated, but just for asking questions, you can be ostracized. And it's such a, it's such a powerful message that that's how much they want us to be quiet. That's how, uh, that's how big the stakes are in the game for them, that people remain quiet that they'll excommunicate someone for asking questions, but not for so many other things. But yeah, I thought that was just almost poetic of you to say that, that he was excommunicated for asking questions, that he was excommunicated from the church and you were excommunicated from your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought of that, you know, that's, I've drawn my whole, whole de- deconstruction, deconstruction, I've drawn parallels between my family and the church. I'm like, that's the same. The church is one big narcissist family. Absolutely. Just like, you know, yeah, they do it. The stakes are high because it's, if the church admitted to lying, they lose, they lose everything. You know, they lose. Right. If my parents admitted to my siblings that the things they said were lies, not that they lose everything, but they would, uh, it would just, it would cause a lot of, it was just, sure. And they had a lot to lose in, in, in all of that. But it was, yeah, that for me, that's, you know, what it was, was just, this is not, this is not true. And, you know, I just kind of deconstructed a lot, um, you know, it's been a year since I've spoken to my mom. Wow. And that's the whole other thing was just I I confronted her. Yeah. And I learned that it, this was bigger than me. This was not my, this was a her issue, not a me issue. Yeah. Um. But regarding, you know, the church, you know, it's just... And I can say I've been very grateful that I, my my nine kids and my husband we've all left together. That's amazing, and that's not something you hear very often. No, and and I can bring you know to that important question I asked my husband if he'd leave me if I left was just like I knew that I still had my marriage. Yeah, because I, you know, I didn't have any intentions of, of leaving, but I knew about my marriage, mm-hmm. and that was that was huge. Um, but I mean, he's on his own path. However, you know, his beliefs. I mean, in my sure their own path, and oh my gosh, that's been that's been really great. That that's been a good story. That right there. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. 
it's it's amazing what happens with relationships with kids too, right? When you just allow them to be who they are and mm-hmm. work through things on their own instead of through that prescribed pathway, right? Mm-hmm. It has. I mean, it's been with my with my kids. I mean, I feel like we just we missed a bar. We, I'm a bar. What's the word? We missed an explosion. <laughs> that could have been. But mm-hmm. my son is 18 now. That's mission. That and all of those things and and he doesn't have to worry about that yeah and and it's that's been good but there's this I didn't there's a the last time we went to church was kind of in the middle of the smear campaign Mm -hmm. and I just I remember like guilty and shame children because they didn't want to go to church you know yeah. Just remember being, you know, my four year old did not want to go. And like, what's wrong with you? We haven't been going. You haven't gone in so long because of the pandemic. I'm like, you should want to go. You know, I just mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. got in this just fight. And he went. All all children all of us were ready and we went. And I remember walking in and just feeling that just like a dark darkness come over me and like I this is not where I need to be as much as I had fought children to get there I just I knew that I yeah I, they, even though they looked sick I knew what was behind that mm-hmm. that I had I did what my mom did <laughs> you know I was becoming her you know and I just you know, I, I couldn't be there. And I, so my, my youngest, I didn't pinch him or anything, I sh- but he was actually crying. You know, sometimes you pinch the kid to take him out, but he was uh-huh. ready to go out. And I, I took him out to the hallway and I had, you know, a couple of little, my other little followed me out and I ended up going to a park across the street and they were playing and, and I just cried there on the bench. And I just thought, this is where we need to be. We need to mm-hmm. You know, I don't, and I just felt so guilty that my, I, I had, I did what I did. I forced my children to go to this place and, and then, and I just, I, anyway, I apologized. We never went back, but it was after then when, it was after that week when I read the CES letter and I just, I thought, you know, we're, we're, just, we're done. So, so that, that Sunday was the last Sunday you attended church then? Yeah, the Sunday before I read the letter. Interesting. You know, you you touched on something I wanted to just comment on. You when you said, you know, you felt so guilty for telling your fourteen year old that you know he you should want to be at church and you need to be there. Um, I think so many of us have been in your shoes. Uh, I have two two boys that are grown adults now, but there was so much guilt. Um, around what just exactly what you were talking about, feeling like I was forcing them to go to church. And um, you said something really that was kind of profound when you said, it's been so long since you've been there because of the pandemic. You should want to be there because that's what they told us our whole lives, right? This is what you should want. This is the pathway that you, this is the path that brings happiness. And if you follow this pathway, you'll be happy. So why wouldn't you want to follow that pathway, right? Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that, that you're not alone in that. 
so many of us that have left have expressed that. And it's been a deep part of the healing process is, is trying to find some self-forgiveness over the fact that, you know, I, I actually pushed my kids and I raised my kids in this. I encouraged it. I wanted them to have it, but I think it's also important to, to give yourself grace and recognize that, that you made the best decisions that you could make given the information that you had at the time. Mm -hmm. And so you got to be kind to yourself, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. And it it has been, it's been hard because, uh, you know, you have to, of the terrible things that you did. Yeah. But I found it so healing, you know, is when, when I confronted my mom on something, she had an opportunity to say she's sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, not that we always have to ask, you know, people, you know, it's so hard, but you know, you can forgive people without them saying they're sorry. But I've learned that now my kids bring things up. Mm-hmm. I sit with it, and and rather than getting all defensive, I acknowledge and I explain the things around, it and I say I'm sorry. That was that's I did that because that's that's all I knew. That's all I knew, and that's how I. And with the church, it's like. They will not do that. They don't make apologies. Even Oaks has said we don't apologize. That's right. And it's like, you don't apologize? You're this organization that preaches repentance, and you don't apologize? You know? It's such a dichotomy, right? Does it, the two things don't match. Um, it's just, you know, all of, when you sit back and look inward from an outsider's perspective, you're just like, I was... That was so wrong. All of that was so wrong. <laughs> you know? But, yeah. You know, I don't know. It's just, it's been a, it's been a, a hard year. Just kind of, it's been equally hard as it has been good. You know, it's been one of those things for me. It's like, I lost my family. I lost my faith. <laughs> you know, I have six siblings who will not talk to me. Yeah, still to this to this day they still won't talk to you. I'm sorry. They won't have I've been blocked, my children have been blocked. Yeah. Um, we've been excommunicated from my family. Yeah. Or not you know, we're Voldemort. <laughs> right. <laughs> not you know, all be you know, and and I just and I remember you know, I don't know, I feel like I'm jumping all over it is a little early. My brain <laughs> No, I think you're doing a great job, actually. It's it's making perfect sense. You know, when you started telling the story at the beginning, I just want to acknowledge in the course of one year, the, the different levels of trauma that you've experienced, the betrayal trauma from your family, the religious trauma in figuring out all of this stuff, the trauma of having to remember and come to grips with abuses, the trauma of confronting your parents and then not being believed and not, not even just not being believed, but then being lied about to the rest of the family and having things said about you that, that weren't true. That's a lot to take on in one year. Yeah. It's a lot. I, I'm, I admire you for where you're at right now. It all happened in probably in the space of a month month or two 
Um, but it wasn't the first time I'd experienced something like this. Um, I got married at 18 to, uh, you know, as I was one year, I, I did graduate college. I just have to acknowledge that. <laughs> Freshman year in college, we got married. We were on the same track team together. We ran collegiately. Um, and um, I, but he didn't serve a mission. My husband didn't serve a mission. And um, that was the first discard that I, and discard is, is a narcissistic term for excommunicating somebody. This book called the Big Discard, and I had experienced that when I was eighteen, for because I chose to marry a man who didn't serve a mission in the temple. Um, <laughs> but there was a smear campaign that happened at that time um, as well, where I I didn't I learned, and here's here was a traumatic experience. I you know, had a lot of them, but <laughs> during that time, but. My mom had, she dropped me off in the middle of nowhere in the, in the, when I was in a car ride. Um, she had gotten so mad. Mm. Um, there's a, I write about it in my, in my Instagram <laughs> page that I have, but she, she, she would, that's the type of person she was. You just never knew when she was going to get so mad that she would do things like that. yeah and I ended up just getting a ride to my husband's parents house and I'm staying with an aunt and uncle because my mom dropped me she told me not to call her mother and she dropped me off in the middle of nowhere and I called my anyway I called my mother-in-law collect and said I need a ride I need to I don't have anything and she's my mom told everybody that I had run away siblings my dad and up until a year ago I finally I learned I learned that that was the narrative that I had run away no she dropped me off with nothing with yeah my clothes that was it but my dad I told me I did not believe me Mm. no because it's unbelievable who would do that you know right well that a 18 year old would run away to live with their boyfriend, but it's not the it's not believable <laughs> that a mother would drop her daughter off in the middle of nowhere. Uh, happened, and I was living at people's house, and and I get a package with my patriarchal blessing in it. Mm. Um, and it's I I didn't know where it came from, so I I, did, I called my mom and I said, do you know? where this came from and and she treated it like you know no it must have come from heaven I have no idea where that came from and there was a letter in it that had my name my name written in red ink that I had written a letter that I mean I didn't write a letter but there was a letter written saying that I mm-hmm. I didn't have a copy of my patriarchal blessing and I needed one and I oh I called my mom and I said where did you know, and she said she didn't know anything about it, but then she said, um, she asked, so what does it say? She said, my she said my patriarchal blessing says that I need to heed to the counsel of my parents. And, and she said, what does yours say? And, I, and mine said the same thing. And she said, and mm-hmm. I know that my mom 
had that, and it came from the church office building. <laughs> she put my name at the bottom of this letter to get my blessing sent to me to use. She weaponized that blessing mm-hmm. to get me to not marry my husband. And I experienced a lot of a lot of spiritual abuse with her. Yeah. Yeah. When we were engaged, she would um, on the day of my wedding pictures. She got mad because I didn't. She didn't curl my hair. I, she didn't ever communicate to me that she wanted to do my hair. I had a friend do my hair, and she got mad. And um, she, I showed up to get my wedding dress. So I could go to get the pictures, and and she just lost it. And she went after her to hit me. Missed. Mm. And then she played dead on the floor. This is the type of stuff that I grew up with. She said, and I went to her rescue because my mom, I had hurt my mom. Mm -hmm. Even though I didn't. And and she, she looked up and she said, she said, I've been fasting for you. And it was all my fault that she did. It was too weak. She couldn't stay on her feet because she was fasting for me. And I, wow. all of that types, those types of things that I was bad. I was, you know, and so that takes a lot of undoing. But I think you kind of grow up with that in the church too, is you're never good enough. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have that complex of, I am bad. I am the sinner. I am bad. Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of that, even though, you know, I, I will not pass that to my children. <laughs> but Good for you. I just, you know, it is, I hope I'm not, like, there's a lot in my, my story that is, I'm still having a hard time. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's okay. And you can say as much or as little as you want, and you're making perfect sense. Um, this, this is your time. You can tell your story in whatever way works for you. Okay. I need to plug my phone in. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no problem. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. You While you're doing that, I was going to touch on <clears throat> a couple of things. Uh, it really hit me in the chest just now when you said growing up in the church, you know, I was never enough. And when I told my own story on this podcast, that was the overarching theme of my entire life with regard to everything, church, relationships, parenting, all of it. That was the message I got was just never being good enough. And I've deconstructed with friends and we've talked about this a lot, this idea that, that if things aren't going just so, it's because you're not doing something. You're not praying enough or spiritual enough or faithful enough or or whatever it is. And so many of us just internalize that message of I'm not good enough. And that's been a huge part of my own deconstruction. Um, and that's something I've come a long way with, especially in the last year, but it's been hard. It's been really hard. It is hard. And it's, it's interesting when you sit back too and like deconstruct even that part because the when when I started to have some of these experiences like you know what I describe as spiritual experiences or of promptings mm-hmm. 
regard to my sister-in-law or however it works, you know, that I, I know that I was prompted to do things. I was not wearing my garments at the time. I didn't like them. <laughs> I had kind of, I mean, as much as I was in, there were some things that I struggled with that I didn't know that I had shelf items, you know? Yeah. I didn't yeah. even know. Like, I just, I'm an athlete and I hated wearing my garments. So I would just wear workout clothes most of the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd do yard work and I would justify like, okay, I only want to wear them when I'm clean. Mm-hmm. And then, so I would end up, I wouldn't wear my garments very much because I would, you know, take a shower. I'm like, well, I'm just going to get up in the morning and I'm just going to go run anyway. So I'll just sleep on my running clothes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I wasn't wearing garments and I had I had actually started to deconstruct tithing a little bit mm-hmm. because of the pandemic mm-hmm. you know I was like we're not going to church we're not utilizing things and and I just you know it wasn't that I didn't have faith it was like I had started to view tithing as my membership dues <laughs> and I kind of you know and I feel bad it wasn't that I wasn't generous in other ways but it was like I'm not using anything of theirs. Right. And so I was like, if we do go back to church, how much am I? Cause I didn't want to be a freeloader. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like if I go to church, what, what, what would I pay ahead? I was like, maybe $5 ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, it was so weird. I was starting to just view it as my membership dues. Cause I didn't want. Yeah. And so I wasn't paying my tithing and we weren't doing come follow me. Cause like it actually caused more, contention in my home mm-hmm. you know and I would try to gather all of my kids and and they would fight and I was like this isn't fun nope <laughs> so we didn't we weren't doing those things we weren't reading and family prayer was a whole other thing like gathering and they would just you know they have those pictures of all oh, the perfect family no it was who gets to prayer like is you're either fighting over the toddlers want to pray or you have the older kids who don't want to pray. Right. <laughs> it's like, it would bring this whole contention. And so I wasn't doing any of those things yet. I was having these experiences and I was like, I used to equate those experiences to my baptism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, that, the only reason I am feeling the spirit whatever that is, is because I was baptized. And because I was keeping the the commandments, I'm like, I'm not keeping those commandments. I am not reading. And I feel way, I have a lot more clarity of thought. That's interesting how that works, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I mean, we we did end up talking to my husband's parents and it was okay, you know, you know, the official we're leaving talk. Mm-hmm. you know it was they've been okay it's been hard but like I remember explaining that trying to explain that to my father-in-law and he he said well everybody has the light of Christ not a, you know but not everybody has the Holy Ghost and I was like but it's no different and I feel better and I whatever this is that I can't explain I'm feeling it a lot more clear now that I don't have that other stuff you know yeah I do. I, I've experienced that exact same thing myself. And it's so interesting when you allow yourself to finally ask the questions and consider 
that there might be a different way to think about things, just actually how much louder that voice got about mm-hmm. that, that intuition, you know, some people call it intuition, inner knowing, higher self. I tend to mm-hmm. use those terms kind of interchangeably nowadays. Um, but it's so interesting because you, you've been told your whole life that if you don't do those things, you can't have the the gift of the Holy Ghost. And yet, how is it that I'm actually hearing this quote unquote in air quotes, Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. yeah. even more, and I'm not doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a huge awakening and it's actually, it's very, it's wonderful, I guess, to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm not spiritless. Like, I mean, right. I, I still not, that's a hard thing to explain to people who are still on the insides. Like I, I still, I'm no different. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm still the same person. I just don't believe what you believe. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm no different. In fact, I'm better. I'm happier. I'm more joyful. I have better relationships with my kids. Like everything just got better. Mm-hmm. That's hard to explain to people. Yeah, things are better. And, mm-hmm. and the relationships with my kids has been, you know, just my 14 year old who I guilted and shamed, you know, that he's probably more on, on the atheist side. Mm-hmm. Of things. You know, he's very much he's into biology. He likes he loves science and he loves to explain the world that way. Mm-hmm. And and it's so amazing to be able to be like, that's OK. You know, you can believe what you want to believe. And my oldest son is kind of, you know, he had, you know, religious pictures up for a while. I never took them down. I never Mm -hmm. felt like, you know, and, and I let him, you know, I, they've all kind of just kind of gone their way. And, and I, I've kind of come to the conclusion that my job as a mother was never, I never to tell my children what to believe in the afterlife or whatever that there was. And you're taught in the church that that's your number one job. Right. That was never my job. My mm-hmm. job is to love and, and be a safe place for them here and to be yeah. present for them here, you know, and I can't, I can't explain the unexplained and I don't think that's my job, (laughs) you know? I think that's actually a beautiful thing you just said. I, I can't explain the unexplained and it's not my job. Mm -hmm. I I think I'm the same way. I don't think there has to be an explanation necessarily for everything, especially when it comes to this inner knowing and intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just learning, just listen, just run with it. But what a, what a gift to your son, to all your kids to just, foster them being who they really are and who they were always meant to be instead of who the church told us they were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I have people come to me sometimes that that's their panic and they ask me like, I don't, how do I maintain a relationship with my kids? And I, you know, I'm not the expert. I'm not the end all be all. Everybody's got their own story, but I just always say my philosophy now is just let my kids be the beautiful human souls that they were always meant to be and let them express themselves the way they want and not have to shut down so many parts of who they are because of this paradigm that we lived in. Right. And the thing is like, 
it all transfers. The church is the same as, you know, my, my own mother. You know, in narcissistic families, you're, you're merely a reflection of that parent. Um, and you're an extent, you know, I was always told that we represented our family, whatever we did, you know, we just all yep. in the church, you represent the church and you, mm-hmm. you all of that. And you really are, you, you dress like the brethren, dress like the sister and act like them, talk like them, be like them. And that was my family. You know, you, you, that I had no identity. Right. I was my mother's daughter and I was a daughter of God in the church. Your identity is assigned to you as a member of the church and as a child of a narcissistic parent. You are not allowed to have a sense of self. Mm-hmm. And, and it's when you try, it's, it's just, it's, you know, not even just a sense of self, but a sense of, of you know, the ability to think for yourself, to have thoughts that are different you just can't. You can't. It's not safe, right? It's not safe. It's not allowed. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom would tell me stories about people and, and that I would question because it wouldn't make a lot of sense. You know, and, and in my as I grew older, I would, I would ask her. I'd say, you know, I, I would question the things that she's saying. And she, she'd keep me on the floor, on the, on the phone for hours just mm. – you know, re rehashing that she was right. She knew everything, and she and it just it was exhausting. It was exhausting. Yeah. And she was a she's a gossiper, and all of these things. And if I if I even tried to question it, just it wasn't worth it to me. It was just I just it was either I agreed with her, or I stayed quiet. Right, you gotta kind of pick your battles. Yeah, right? in the church, the same thing. You can't mm-hmm. you can't question. You either just kind of stay quiet, or or if if you do, you're exiled. <laughs> the ramifications are huge, mm-hmm. you know, and they hold your eternal salvation over this, and then they they hold your family it, they hold your family hostage over it, and that's what keeps people fearful and and in line. Mm-hmm. They definitely yeah. they they hold your family hostage, and. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's just, you know, I don't know where my mind is going. But if you want to ask another question. <laughs> I, I I, actually do. Um, I'm curious. You had said something earlier. And if you're comfortable expounding on this, that would be great. And if you're not, that's okay, too. When you were talking about uh, getting engaged to your husband, who, who did not serve a mission, you talked about your mom with her narcissism and you said that was the first discard. Mm -hmm. And I wondered if you would be willing to expound on this idea, this, this word discard and what that means in relation to narcissism, if you're comfortable with that. Cause I think I, I I certainly, it piqued my interest when you said it. So I'm assuming there may be other people that would be interested in knowing more about that. Well, narcissists, if um, they, they only, you only exist to serve them. Um, mm-hmm. and when you are no longer of use to them, they discard you. Mm-hmm. And when it's just, it's just something in that whole, uh, mental, I don't know, that whatever the, however it is that that's what they do because they're very self-centered. They're very, you know, the whole, the world exists and you know, they're just, they're, 
toddlers <laughs> in grown-up bodies is what they are. But the discard is, I mean, just that they don't want anything to do with you. And my, my, and 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 I guess I had just I had experienced it before because I knew I knew that I was nothing to them. You know, I had gone against what they what they thought was the way it should be. And, and I had to climb my way back. I had to earn my, mm. I had to earn my place. And that's in our, in narcissistic families, it's, you know, it's very prevalent in the Mormon church and it's not only prevalent, but it is taught. If you, absolutely, <laughs> it is indoctrinated. It, we are indoctrinated to see families that is the family model. Yep. You have like, if you, even just the first book of the Book of Mormon, you've got Nephi's family. That's a narcissistic family. Because you've got Lehi, who is the seer, the one who sees for everybody. You've got Sariah, who's the enabling wife, enabling mm-hmm. mother who just redirects you. Your father's so great. He's this wonderful this and that. And then you've got Nephi. He's the favorite child. Yep. Um, he's he does whatever he he mirrors. He reflects back to Lehi what I will go and do what my father says. And then you've got um, Laman and Lemuel who are the scapegoats, the black sheep, the ones who you know. In my world, they saw through the bullshit. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> and they didn't want anything of it. And then you've got Sam, who's gray rock. Sam mm-hmm. just doesn't ruffle. And those are all narcissistic characteristics. Those are the, the names that clinically have been given to narcissistic families. And so that is, so when a, a Mormon family has somebody leave the church, this is par for the course. You're late, you're layman, you're Lemuel. We know this story already. And the, and then they're told this. I I know so many people who've been told by their parents, "You're just being layman and Lemuel." Yeah, that's a absolutely brilliant analogy with with Lehi's family that I'd actually never heard before. Uh, that's brilliant. This comparison to this, I guess you could call him the first family of the Book yeah. of Mormon, <laughs> but being a classic narcissistic family, and. It's uh, oh, I have so much to say. I'm going to let you continue, though. That's what it is, and so we see it as mem- it's just it's ingrained in us that that's how families work. That's how they work. You have the family seer, and as I started to learn to read a little bit more about Joseph Smith, I, I halfway through No Man Knows My History. It's just a big book to, to bite off, but he projected his own family dynamics into that book. You know, that's, that's his family as well, you know, in my view. Okay. As I read that, I don't want to say that as fact because I'm not him, but like when I read it and, 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 and I could be projecting my own family dynamics too, but I see that's the, that is a narcissistic family is what that is. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and it's, it's just like, You've made this comparison more than once on different levels, which I find so brilliant. Uh, again, comparing like the earthly family with the eternal family, the church family. And it's the same in the church, right? Because 
we we exist to serve in the church. Like that's what we're told all the time. Service, 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 service. Uh, lose yourself mm-hmm. in the service of others. It's all about other people. Serve God. Um, and, and God is, uh, this is, and again, like you said, I'll clarify too, that this is just my opinion. Um, God is a very narcissistic God. This Mormon God is very, very narcissistic. It's very much my way or the highway. This is how I want things to go. And if they don't go the way I want them to go, mm-hmm. you're cut off. Like you're out of here. You're outer darkness. You can't come back with me. And so you're right. It's, it's no surprise that this narcissism is so rampant among families in the church, because this is the model that they're indoctrinated with every Sunday. Well, and beyond Sunday, because when you're Mormon, you're not Sunday Mormons, right? You're, you're Mormon 24 mm-hmm. seven. And it's all just, yeah. it's the only way it's going to be in a high demand controlling religion high demand controlling family you're it's it's not that it's calculated it's that it's the only way it can be because when you when something is so controlling you're only going to have those people who are going to try to be exactly you know the favorite child or you're going to have people who rebel or you're going to have people who just shut up you know, those are the only characters that come out of a controlling system. That's it. That's all that you can get. And and, and it's just by design yep. is what it is. Yeah, because if you get anything else, you run the risk of exposing everything and losing everything. I mean, you keep some really faithful people in there for sure. Because <laughs> You have, but then you have. For sure. I mean, it just—it's very dysfunctional. It's when the church is a, is a dysfunctional family, and and my family's a dysfunctional family, <laughs> and and with my my kids, I just—it's been eye-opening because I I was on the path to become that. I know I was. Like, there's no mm-hmm. question in my mind. I was molded to become my mother. I was molded. And it took me mm-hmm. getting totally discarded to be, to ha- have my eyes open. I mean, there's no other way. It's pretty amazing though, that you, that you were able to have that perspective. You know what I mean? It's, I think it's, I want to just acknowledge that that's probably not an easy thing for you to say out loud, that I was molded to become my mother and I was on a path to become her. That's a, that's a hard realization to make. Um, but the fact that you, you did get, you got discarded and you took that and opened up your own eyes and you're being a cycle breaker now. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have nine children. That's nine times whatever their posterity is. That's not going to have to grow up like that. That's amazing. You're amazing. Oh, you're nice. Thank you. No, I, it's, it's, I, that's been a, you know, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's hard for sure. You know, I have, you know, I'm not a perfect parent at all. I mean, I don't like that word perfect. I make a lot of mistakes, but I, we all do. <laughs> I own up to it. I, now that I, you know, I'm not, I'm not my mother. I was, like I said, I was going to be here. I could feel it. I could feel my, you know, it's just like one of those things when, when you're brainwashed. I was totally brainwashed 
And I was starting to see the world the way she saw the world because she's very negative and she's very gossipy and she's very victim-y. You know, the thing is, narcissists are one of two characters. They're victims and they're heroes. Mm-hmm. They're the ultimate martyr. They're victims and they're heroes. And they only see the world as those people have wronged me. And look at all of the things I've done. Look at all the good things I've done. Look at all the, you know. Yeah. And, and. And when you are constantly fed that type of a mindset by your own mother, it's hard not to kind of reflect that back because she would call me all the time. And I, I could feel my mind starting to like see the world the way she saw the world. And it didn't last very long, thankfully, but I, yeah, I, I was <laughs> I yeah. on that path. And now I can see my kids and I'm just like, you know what, you do you. <laughs> And you, you know, we have rules for sure, but my gosh, like I've said that, you know, religion has never been a proven way to stop people from having sex or doing other things like stop right. children from, and I hear I'm jumping one of those, I'm jumping to teenager mom mode. Oh no, that's but, great. <laughs> I guess, I don't know. I didn't, I, sometimes I miss connectors. My mind just kind of goes, oh, now I'm going to talk about this. <laughs> Sorry. That, that, but I guess I'm just saying that I was, I was going to become my mom and she was a very controlling mother, but now I let my, I'm with the teenager phase. My kids are more open about, you know, their relationships and the things, you know, that teenagers need to be able to talk to their parents about. And I could never talk to my parents about. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's amazing because uh, when teenagers feel like they can come to their parents, what a safety net. And then, and then they're coming someplace safe to get their information and to get their advice instead of going to unsafe places for that, for that stuff. Right. And I didn't want my kids to ever have to go to a Bishop <laughs> ever. Sure. Yeah. That was not, you know, and, and thankfully we missed that bar, you know, where I can, my kids can, they don't have to. And the thing is, the, the thing is, like, the church is, uh, you know, young men, young women, you know, if they cross a line or whatever, they have to go and confess. And mm-hmm. a lot of the things that they, they are um, afraid you know, they just get really good at hiding things is what I find rather than. No, it reminds me of something. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Radio Free Mormon. Um, he he has his own podcast, too. Um, he said something once that just that kind of resonated with me and and um, kind of illustrates what you were just saying. And I, I, I quoted it in my social media account at one point. He said, Mormonism makes liars of us all. Mm-hmm. That was the quote. And. That's exactly right. They force people to lie because if they don't lie and they tell the truth, they get punished for telling the truth. And it's not even private. It's it's you end up not being able to take sacrament or not being able to say prayers. So it becomes a very public expression because as soon as you're not saying prayers or taking sacrament immediately, the gossip starts, right? Like, oh, well, well what did he do or what did she do that she can't do this? And so that's what they do. They force people to lie out of survival because we're tribal creatures and 
we need to survive within our groups and being ostracized from a group is, is a sort of death. Yeah. And it does. It does. It teaches people how to lie. Like just what you said, that's, you know, and, and I remember like when I started to kind of more, more or less deconstruct things, I had a, a temple recommend interview coming up and mm. I was, you know, I, I, I talked to my husband about it and I was like, you know, I'm not wearing my garments. I'm not paying my tithing and, and I don't sustain, <laughs> but mm-hmm. if I don't have a temple recommend, they're going to know, like, cause if somebody needs to go to it, you know, my mom would always send us like cards to go do baptism, all of those like things. Like it was constant. I don't mm-hmm. get those names done. <laughs> she know that I don't have a temple recommend. And so you're just like, you have to have that thing. Cause you have to. And, and my husband said, well, the last question says, do you feel worthy to go to the temple? And I was like, but I have to lie the entire way through to get to that thing. Cause I, I am a good person, but those questions leading up, I, 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 like I, I'm not wearing my garments. I don't sustain and I'm not paying tithing, but I'm a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now you may, now I lied and now I feel like a shitty person. <laughs> so right. and I was like, I don't want to go. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I won't lie. Cause at this point I was like, that goes against everything I've been lied about. And my parents are liars. I will not be a liar. And so I, Never, yeah. I, I don't have a temple recommend. <laughs> yeah. I refuse to lie. Good for you. But. Yeah. 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 Um, it, just going back to what you were talking about, I'm going, touching back on narcissism a little bit. It's such an interesting conversation around that. Um, when you, you had said something to the effect of narcissists have two personalities, they're either the victim or the hero, right? I thought that the, the example you gave was such a fantastic illustration of that. When you said your mom played dead when you went to pick up your wedding dress, because here, this was your wedding. This was about your celebration. It was about your dress. It was about, this was your Mm -hmm. thing, but she turned it around and made it about her and played the victim and, this is all about me and my feelings and you didn't ask me to do your hair. And so I'm just going to faint and play dead here and bring all the attention on me. Um, it's, it's interesting to me and my observations throughout life, how insidious that behavior is and how they are master manipulators at making the outside world believe that there's something different than what they are within families and I don't know if that was your experience as well, that they portray, did they portray themselves to be this kind of perfect family, but on the inside things were different? Or? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I knew I had, I had two moms. I knew okay. that I did. Yeah. And, and the thing is like, yeah, she was, she is, she's the one who delivers banana bread to everybody in the ward. She's the one that mm-hmm. she makes flowers for everybody. She does people's wedding flowers. She's just it's unbelievable to people that she would be this terrible, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, <laughs> and even to my own dad, like, I don't even know. She never abused us around him. 
Mm-hmm. And so I can give him that where he doesn't, I don't know what she's done to him. But, um, right. yeah, she had very much, she still has that perfect persona. She she looks good on the outside, and I, and I equate it, I, uh, I, I say she's frosting on poop is what I, <laughs> it's like a. Wow, that's such a good analogy. I, that's the only way I could describe it is like, you're like, oh, it's a nice piece of cake. And then it's just like, you know, it's not even like a. I don't know, it's just nasty once you get right. It just, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. you can put, you know, and I even had a cousin who had a run-in with my mom and she actually just <laughs> described my mom as a twink, a poop-filled Twinkie. <laughs> You're so- <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going mean, that sounds really gross, but when she described that, I'm like, yes, because you're like excited for this Twinkie and, and it just takes a second to be like, oh my gosh, this is nasty and I can't get it. I get the taste right. out of my mouth. It's I can't, you know. I'm just I'm in this, and I it's and it takes a while to recover. Yeah, you know, and and so interesting that you know when you started this process a year ago, when you start talking to, <clears throat> excuse me, like your older brother, and I think I think you might have mentioned an aunt or somebody. How many people she had basically groomed to stay quiet about what their experiences were because no one's going to believe you anyway. Because you, you've said this more than once. Like it was unbelievable that she could have done these things. Yeah. And I was on the inside for a long time too with my, I, I know how the system works. Oh, and, and I was groomed so much. I was groomed so much. Um, Even it's interesting how abusers, can abuse people and groom them at the same time. Oh yeah, it's for like, sure. I you, they can get you to it's the whole gas thing to deny your own reality because all exactly. the abuse I experienced, I believed it was I brought it to myself. It was my fault. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and I was just not a good. I was not faithful enough. I. I married a man who didn't serve a mission, so that spoke to my character of not being faithful enough, and and mm-hmm. I was, you know, I was rebellious because I didn't fall in line with everything she did. I was bad, but she was good, mm-hmm. and I believed mm-hmm. it for my whole life. I believed it, you know. <laughs> right. Well, your survival depended on it, you know, and we do a lot of things out of a sense of survival that we it's almost impossible not to you had to believe those things it took somebody on the outside to be brave and Mm -hmm. and to say this is not okay for me to look at my growing up and be like wait i'm not the i'm not the only one because i you feel like you're the only one (laughs) who you you do and that's what I felt like and to find that there were other people who were also discarded Mm -hmm. who had also experienced the same thing or similar things that is what I've held on to with my family is like wait a second well even now I sometimes have those moments of maybe I'm the problem because I'm conditioned to believe that I'm the problem all of the time and Mm -hmm. I'm the first one to apologize for anything I've done 
but to notice that there are others. It's like, okay, that keeps me grounded. And it's the same thing with when you leave the church, you're like, but there are others. I'm not the only one. And that's why it's important to have like these types of things, these podcasts and things to be like, yeah. there are others. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say is this is why it's so important for people to be able to speak openly about their experiences because so many times, so many times people hear one story and it it's, it's the permission they needed to, to ask questions or it's the permission they needed to say, Hey, I'm allowed to speak. I'm allowed to speak up. People can't silence me, you know, and it's a ripple effect and you tell your story and it influences other people and it makes them brave to tell their stories. And, and that's kind of how we can bring all this stuff into the light, right? Is by being open and Mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah. It's, it was very important for me for both, you know, for, to have family members and to have, you know, to go to some, I went to a couple of faith transition types of things to kind of help me not feel so alone. And that's, I guess that's kind of why I'm doing this. I just, if there's somebody else who can resonate with it, because everybody's story is different. Yep. Everybody's story is different. And yet there are so many similarities among the threads, right? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw this in here. Um, because I keep thinking about it as you're telling your story. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I, when my kids were little, I had a friend who was a very good friend of mine. We were all in the church and she was, uh, I'd probably say she was one of my best friends. And she was a single mom raising kids. She had been through a divorce and she'd been through quite a bit of stuff herself And then I moved and I kind of lost touch with her for a while. And recently I stumbled upon the fact that one of her kids had done a podcast and I am not really in touch with this person, but I decided to listen to it just to see, kind of get an idea of like what's going on with their family now. I was mind blown when I listened to this podcast because in it, this person said, my mother was a narcissist. And was very abusive to us, telling stories of how when when this person didn't do things just the way they were supposed to, they would come home and find all their belongings in the driveway. And you can go find somewhere else to be now. What you talked about, this discard. And the thing that just got me listening to, to this person's story was, how is it that I was so close to her? And so connected to her. And I had no clue that this was going on, that she was doing this to her kids, because that's how problematic narcissism is, right? Yeah, it is. People, and it keeps you really isolated, you know, it really, because, Mm -hmm. and because they isolated in that you don't have anybody. you're yeah. for me um her world was my world and and i had to go to the world that she had discarded and because i nobody on her inside world is going to believe it and 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 i don't need to go and tell everybody but she she keeps you know she's a she's a cult leader a good friend that you know she's a good friend now that i I met her 
not very long after, and she said that she, the church um, breeds cults within cults. Oh, that's very profound, actually. So narcissism, you, you've got these cult-like families because you do, you've got the seers. My is a seer. You know, you, we call them seers, <laughs> but the world is seer. Yeah. She is the eyes mm-hmm. for the entire family. And we can, are, we're only allowed to see the world through her lens. And the same thing as the church. The prophet is the seer. And we mm-hmm. can only see the world through his lens. We follow the prophet. And, and when you have these narcissistic families, whether it's like even the priesthood, you know, you've got men who hold the priesthood. They're the they seer. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're the ones who hold all of the keys within your family. And you don't deviate. So the, the church creates cults within cults, within the cult. And in, in my family's case, my my mom, you know, you have, it just depends on who wears the pants. And I don't use it, but my mom was the one who, who even though my dad held the priesthood, she held the priesthood. <laughs> right, right. She was, she was, she was in charge. She may not, yeah, may not have had the priesthood, but she was in charge. Uh, wow, you you've just you've touched on so many things, and you, you, I love what you said about the church creates cults within cults. Because how many layers does that require you to unravel? Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, it started with just your immediate family, and then it just it goes from there, and you see how one affects the other, and how they're all dependent mm-hmm. on each other. Yeah, and it's it's an enmeshed system. See, and in, in enmeshment is you're either with us or you're against us. And in mesh, mesh families, mm-hmm. you have that. It's the blood is thicker than water. It's the, you know, you, and the church is the same thing. It's an enmeshed system. You're either with us or you're against us. And and you have these nuanced members in the church. Mm-hmm. And I think they're great. And I don't want to go against you know. It, there are nuances. Okay, there are nuances. But in order to have gray, you have to have black and white. <laughs> and I'm not a black and white thinker. But black for me is there's truth and there's lies. There have to be mm-hmm. truth and lies. And the church is li- the church lies. And my mom lies. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. um, and, and I hope I'm explaining myself, but you've got these nuanced members who kind of toe the line. And they have one foot in, one foot out, or, or they're tr- Mm-hmm. They're trying to make, they're trying to change the church from the inside. And, mm-hmm. and from experience, and I'll try to draw this parallel from experience being a member of my family who tried to toe the line, tried to be one foot in, one foot out. If really, mm-hmm. you're going to be thrown out because these systems yeah. do not change for anybody. They no, And in the, it's just an eventual, you either have to jump all in or you got it or you get kicked out. Um, and that, you know, that makes yep. sense what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, it really, no, it's true. You, it, that's categorically true. Um, I, I was a black and white thinker. And so that was very, very difficult for me because I either felt like if I wasn't a hundred percent in that I was just this horrible sinner, but, um, <clears throat> This idea of 
not not being able to make change on the inside. I was just talking to a friend this weekend. We were having this very discussion. We both had said, why not stay on the inside and try to create change, try to try to be advocates for the people on the inside. But but you it doesn't work because you're right. The system is set up. It's a it's a patriarchal system that has a very hierarchical um, structure to it. And it is created to remain that way. And you, you can't buck the system. You can't, you can try to make little changes here or there, but the, the issue is that you do not have that kind of power in a system as powerful as this. You, you just can't do it. And so, like you said, you, you eventually get out. I think I just saw somebody yesterday post a social media thing that said this, this little meme that said, um, there are nuanced members in the church, but they're not actually practicing mm-hmm. Mormonism. And that really made me pause for a minute because there's some mm-hmm. truth to that, right? You know, like you said, you, you're either in or you're out with us or against us. And, and the scriptures, I think there are examples of that mm-hmm. in the scriptures too. And, and it's the hard thing is, it's like, you know, you can, you know, I, I think there are wonderful people in the church. Like I, I still have lots of wonder, lots of friends and, and everything in the church. But the thing is like, it's, and this is my, my view based on what I have learned, but the church was built on lies. And so it's in my mom lies. And like, it's just, I draw those parallels you can change a system, okay? You can make a system more inclusive. You can make a system be kinder to people. or, But really, that's just adding more frosting to poop. That's all doing. Right. That's not like addressing the fact that no, those things that the very beginning of the church is not true. And if you can, if, if the church tells its members that this is not your ticket to heaven. How many are going to be like, Oh, really? All that tithing I paid all of that money. This is my ticket to heaven. You are not what you said you were not, you Mm -hmm. know, what the crap, you know, you can, yeah, it's just the more you slather on, you can change policy. You can do all of those things. And, and, you know, my mom can, can act nice and make more banana bread and, and apologize for some surfacey things and do whatever. But until she admits that the things she said were not true, again, it's, it's just putting more frosting on something that, you know, and the, and the mm-hmm. foundation is not good and it's, it's going to crumble. Yeah. And that's, that's what it came down to for me as well. When you talk about being nuanced and trying to make changes, I, cause I've heard, I've heard many people say, I want to make the church a safer place for the people that are still on the inside. I want to make this a more inclusive place. I admire that. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly open to multiple viewpoints. And if you've got family members that you feel are stuck in that system, I can imagine why you would want to make that a better place. I couldn't make it work for me personally, because like you said, for me, if the foundation is a lie, if the whole basis of it is false, it doesn't really matter what you do on top. It doesn't really matter what policy changes you make, because it's still based on something that's not real. Yeah. Now, and I, and I need to, and I can empathize with people, you know, and I, I'm coming from, thankfully, that I have my children with me. 
I have yeah. my so if I didn't that would be very hard but I have I have them with me they yeah. they didn't they didn't love to go to church yeah <laughs> was, they were all just kind of waiting for me I think to <laughs> now mom isn't gonna go all right yes yeah no and I I appreciate you saying that and I'll piggyback off of that as well and and say this somewhat something similar is that like you, my kids actually were out before I was, they came out of the church before I did. So like you, I feel like it's almost somewhat of a, a privilege, shall we say that I don't have to deal with feeling like I know that this isn't true, but my kids are still stuck in it. My kids, my kids are out of it. Um, again, having discussions with a friend this weekend, we talked about that as well we both said like our kids saved our lives. If our kids were still in the church, it's highly likely that we'd still be there to be there for them, to support them, to, to, to be their parents, you know, to, to save them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, so I, I understand that too. And I, I want to acknowledge that to people that are listening that it, I admit that it's from a place that's very easy for me to say, Hey, if, if it's based on a lie, then I can't, I don't want to be nuanced and I don't want to try to make change. I completely get and understand if you have people that are stuck in that system, you want a better situation for them because the truth is there are people that don't know how to get out and don't, don't, uh, may not come out for a very long time. Yeah. And, and for me, it doesn't have it. I've got lots of family members who are in the church and my goal is not to get people out. Mm hmm not my goal. Like if it's, if it's working for you and you're not hurting other people, like write it. Yeah. If, if, if it's not serving a bad purpose for you, I don't you know. You believe what you want to believe. That goes for any religion. I've got my, my in-laws are very much in and we had our one talk and I, I don't need to bring it up anymore. Like I, sure. I don't like I, love them for who they are. And, and I know that the, the church is so important to them and they will, they'll talk to our kids about the church and we're not there. And that we have that whole other dynamic that's kind of hard. And I've had to set boundaries and stuff and that's hard. Mm -hmm. for them. And, and I remember saying to my mother-in-law, I said, uh, you know, just that the kids, my kids are having a hard time with them. You know, every time they go there, they talk about the church. Mm hmm. I said, you know, what my children believe is the least interesting thing about them. Right. <laughs> oh, I is, and I get to know them when they're there. Ask them about what they like to do. Ask them about what they're doing, and and she was okay with that. But she kind of came back with, she said, "Well, that's interesting that you said that because what what we believe is who we are." Mm. And it was like, okay. You know, so it's, again, it's that identity. Mm -hmm. If we don't believe who they, in what they believe in, then we are attacking who they are. And it's not, that's not that at all. But that's when you're in, that's it. Exactly. That's a hard tight rope to walk a little bit. Is sure. We're, and I, I love who they are outside of the context of the church. And it's, it's going to take some time to to figure that one out but yeah yeah for sure 
I, I, I'm just still in awe of everything that you have processed in one year. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I'm kind of one of those. I'm not the, I don't slow burn very well. Yeah. <laughs> just, and I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and I'm, I'm very cerebral, I think. And I just, mm-hmm. if I deconstruct rapidly and I is kind of my thing. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it, the betrayal for me kicked it into high gear, you think? Yeah. You know, yeah. when, when you are personally betrayed, I was denied a relationship with my older brother, my entire mm-hmm. life over lies, things that weren't even true. Yeah. And then I see it happening to my siblings that I was lied to about them. I mean, they were lied to, but however I say that they were, they were told lies about me mm-hmm. and, and that betrayal just, yeah, it really did. It kicked it into, I'm like, I, this is not, I, I don't tolerate lies. I'm good. Yeah. And I wanted to learn so much and, you know, and we haven't gotten, I mean, I don't want to know too much, but just, you know, I told a little bit, my, my older sister who, she died 16 years ago, Mm -hmm. suicide. And that's a whole other thing, but that's been a, to come to grips with the fact that I don't know everything when I thought I knew everything. That's one yeah. of the things, you know, when you lose somebody, you know, yeah. the church does hold your family hostage. You know, when my older sister died, you know, it was that whole, I will see her again. Mm-hmm. I will see her again. And it, and it was just that whole, you know, and, and when this all came down, I just thought, I don't know if I'm going to see her again. Yeah. And, and that's a hard thing to to come to grips with and then you start to think about what if I lose a child how am I going to handle that and I think the church prays on those types of scenarios 100% because it's you know we have the answers if you join you will see your loved one again because I remember those campaigns going on when I was little Mm -hmm. that whole you know, families are forever and you will yes. see. <laughs> and it's just like, but, and it's not to say that they aren't. Cause I don't know. They, we, you know, I want to believe I do, mm-hmm. but for the church to say that the only way you're going to see your family again is through baptism and temple stuff. That's, 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 terrible actually it is it's it's abusive right mm-hmm. yeah oh, yep. um, but I believe I believe I mean the believe is a heart I hope I get to see my sister again I hope I do and but taking religion out of it has been wonderful for me because I'm like you know I just want to be here I want to be here with my children today. I want to be with my husband today. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. I want to be with here with them today. Yeah. And you 
But when I think about the loss of my older sister, it's like, what if I live till I'm a hundred years old, you know, Mm -hmm. another 60 years, I won't see her ever. Those that the rest of my life, I am not going to see her. Mm -hmm. I am just not. And there's nothing I can do now that will change that. And there's nothing I can do now that will change whether I see her after this life. Cause I, it's just one of those things that you just, you, you, you know, the church religion, you know, attempts to solve those answers and takes your money (laughs) to solve those answers, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. I've said it before. I think it's a great business model, right? You, you hold people's families hostage over 10% of your income. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it does, it keeps people in line. You had said something about the campaigns when you were growing up. Um, I don't know if you remember those, the old uh, families are forever videos they put out, but one of them was this perfectly coiffed little family they, I can still remember them showing them in the park with their little girl. And I don't remember the specifics, but you're made aware that this little girl dies and the missionaries find this family. And that's how they reel them in is they were so lost and so distraught without their little girl. Mm-hmm. The missionaries swooped right in and said, what if we told you there was a way that you could see your child again? Mm-hmm. Like that it's so it's so manipulative and it works because why not prey on the deepest heartstrings that people have. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, yeah, it works for a long time. I remember that one. I remember that. And when you're on the inside, it feels so good. Cause like, I'm one of these people. I am a yes. good person and I am, I am, a, I am the lucky one. You're, mm-hmm. you're born into this thing. Mm-hmm. You're lucky. And you get to have your family. And now it's your job to tell other people this thing. And mm-hmm. that's what, how the Mormon church and its members, they don't understand boundaries because it's, you're told that it is your duty to yes. tell people about this thing. You have to. Mm-hmm. You really have to. And that's why I can give my in-laws grace because it's like they're conditioned. If they don't they're, that they don't tell my children, you know, till their dying day that this is the true church, they're going to hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and yep, that's just the way that you're conditioned. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so much conditioning, conditioning, indoctrination. As you said earlier, you used the term brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that a hundred percent. It's, it's literally brain conditioning from birth. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's just, I don't know, but I'm glad my kids don't get to, I mean, my older ones have some of that I'm undoing to do, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an exciting time though to, you know, say, guess what? You get to, this is your life. Yeah. <laughs> this is your life. And, and I guess one of the things I want to, Make sure my kids know. I don't want them to go searching for a wise man. Mm-hmm. And because I I did right after. And I think it, it's been said that a lot of people who leave cults or high demand religions, 
they they fall right back into these types of patterns. Yes. And because you're conditioned to look to somebody else for answers. Yep. And because you're not taught to that that you are your best resource and and I went to a there is a man I follow on Instagram like I follow him because I knew his children and I just I mm-hmm. and I thought he is he's what I wanted a father to be because mm. all of I could tell he had ties to the church um but his children all look different they had tattoos they <laughs> they just yeah. they looked they believed he had six kids and I thought and and he still loved them. Mm-hmm. I just that did not belong that I that did not compute for a, right. a parent to love their children despite their differences, despite the differing beliefs, despite this, the unconditional love. I did not understand on a child level. Yeah, and I reached out to him. Just I. I had some questions about, you know, how that dynamic worked. And he said, I'm, you know, my children are fully emancipated. They're adults. They get to think for themselves. And I'm like, what? That's, that's not a thing. And, and, but he, I asked him if he was a member of the church and, and he said he, that he was, and that he, he said he essentially just stayed for the people. And he said, yeah, he said, there are reasons people stay and reasons people go. Mm-hmm. And he said, I am, I have, no agenda. He said, this is your life, but you have all of the tools. And, and I was so lucky to go to a person in my vulnerable state who did not take advantage of my vulnerable state. Absolutely. And he just directed me inward and he said, you have, you have all the tools. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I want to impart that to my children. I mean, my oldest will be going on, he will be going to college this, this August. Mm-hmm. And had we not left the church, guaranteed I'd be like sending him with his scriptures, made sure he had all of his things, made sure I called the bishop over there, made sure he was. Or, <laughs> or that he was going on a mission first. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't sure if he wanted to go on a mission because my husband uh-huh. and, and we kind of had that like, we want to make sure it was his choice. So that was something that we were actually very good about. Yeah, that's awesome. But even without that, I know that I would have replaced his bubble here with the bubble there. You know, he would have. Yeah. Um, and now he doesn't have that. And so yeah. I'm thinking of giving him a care package full of things about himself you know I want him to be able to trust himself I guess yeah that's a beautiful message that's I think I think that's the biggest gift that we can give our kids and it's certainly something I've been on a path for myself um, is trusting yourself trusting that your inner knowing your intuition knows where, where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing, you have all the answers inside of you. We've just been conditioned to look for them elsewhere. I, so I love what you said, and maybe you can repeat it because I don't think I'm going to get it right. But you said, I think you said I didn't want to, I didn't want to go looking for a wise man, or I didn't 
want my kids to have to look for a wise man. I was having a discussion with another friend last week in which she was saying she kind of had this epiphany and she said, I just realized part of my issue is that I've been looking for a guru. And so many people are looking for the guru. They're looking for the person. Once they leave this paradigm, they're looking for a person in the next paradigm because they flounder and they feel a little bit lost and uncertain. They want somebody to just tell them, this is what you have to do to be happy. This is what you have to do to whatever. And and we can find them in all different realms. This is what you have to do to lose weight. This is what you have to do to look beautiful. This is what you have to do to fill in the blank. Um, When really we're not, we're not encouraging people like you don't have to look to anybody else. You can get advice from people, but really it, the answers are inside of you. And once you realize that the whole world opens up, it really does. It really, really does. You know, the, I hope my, yeah, I, you said it really well. So <laughs> yeah, it does. It opens up a whole lot. Just going back. I just wanted to acknowledge something you said at the very beginning of this interview when your brother, your first brother called you and then his wife called you to talk to you. I just, how amazing that you listened to that inner knowing when it said to you, you need to just listen. You need to listen. And you said some really key things. You listened and you believed them. And look what happened. Like, look where it went. You also said that your sister-in-law, or I'm not maybe former sister-in-law at this point, her, that her mother, right, had told her that she had met you just for a couple of minutes and seen you interacting with your rambunctious children at this wedding. And even then, even in that brief moment, that brief interaction, she sensed your energy and she, she inherently knew that you were a safe person. And she was able to tell her daughter, like, you can go talk to this person. She's safe. But look what happened. You, you believed them and you listened. And, and that's, I think, the start to everything, especially when you grow up in a narcissistic environment where you are never believed what a gift to somebody to have someone say, I believe you, I see you. You know, I just want to acknowledge that because that takes a lot of good self-awareness because it could have been really easy for you to kind of say, oh, I don't want to listen to this stuff. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to, oh, that's kind of uncomfortable, you know, but you didn't. And people need that. We need to be validated and believed. And I, I just want to acknowledge that. It was, it was hard. It was definitely, it was hard. And I feel like I was, I had to hide. I was, no, it Mm -hmm. was not something that I felt comfortable doing, but you know, yeah, I, it, I guess it was, I, I want to be listened to too. And, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, it is important to be, to be believed. Yeah. All of those. Yeah. So, so, so you have uh, one that's going off to college and, and things are well with your other kids now. Yeah. They're all good. They're all doing really, really well. You know, we have second, second Saturday. <laughs> nice. That's my yes, favorite part. Like, have a weekend <laughs> and we get to spend time together. We have time that we didn't have before. And we have great discussions and all of those things. And, and then, 
you know, and we don't pray as a family. <laughs> and we don't have, like, our house is rambunctious and crazy just because of the nature of having as many kids as we did. But we don't have those, that we don't have that contention. We don't have that yeah. contention with the family prayer brought a lot of contention at night before bed and <laughs> for study. Mm-hmm. They don't talk about that. They talk oh. about <laughs> that because you're just like you know if you're doing it you're you're doing it and we we don't do those things and we allow our children to just kind of go to sleep <laughs> if they right. you know we talk about you know gratitude and making them grateful but you know but it's not you know you know we don't make sure that they pray to a, a god or anything but they just kind of are and and it's been so so good you know and there's those hard things they miss their grandparents their uncles sure. and and I have a lot of guilt with that you know yeah. because as much as I was discarded I also set boundaries and right. it makes right. it one of those things where my my family could very easily say well she 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 got rid of us well you weren't safe right and I had I had to protect my children from these things. I had to protect myself because, and here's, I was, a year ago, I was suicidal. I was. Mm, I'm sorry to and hear I'm, that. I'm past, I want to live now. I want to live as long as I can live. <laughs> but I, I was, and that's something I didn't talk a whole lot, but that smear campaign, campaign is, is, it's the worst thing I have ever experienced because you don't know where it's coming from or why it's coming and there's nothing you can do to stop it and um and you're just defending yourself against a war that you that you can't win well and it's coming from the people that are supposed to love you and support you the very most yep i went for help and i got the opposite Mm -hmm. you know i wanted you know my goal was to help my help my family heal Mm-hmm. Oh, so I wasn't attacking them, and 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 then, and then I I just you know because I I trusted my family, I trusted them, you know, yeah, and trusted my dad to do what he said he would do, and and I so that that you know, and and I have to live with that fear that I'll run into them again because they they mm-hmm. they really do scare me, and I don't trust them. Yeah, I don't trust my family at all, and I don't, you know. And now my my son's going off to school. He's eighteen. It's that magic number where they can they can they can contact him, right? And I, you know, it's the same similar to the church. Is if you don't get their records removed, you know, by the time they're eighteen or whatever, the church, you know, they contact, and the church doesn't have any boundaries, right? They don't. They don't have any boundaries whatsoever. So, and I, and I hope my children are strong enough to, you know, not be manipulated, not be brought, brought in by the, you know, the, the, just the, the frosting. That's all I can say. This is all that, you know, the love bombing. Okay. That's, that's the word in the narcissistic families is the love. And I don't, I remember going on a run before I can, before I confronted my mom and I had to stop. I, I just, I. And I had to, um, 
I was so scared because she had taken my children, not my children, she had taken my dad from me. She had taken my siblings from me and I was not going to let her have my children. And it was the whole, she's not going to hurt them physically, but she's going to kill them with kindness. Mm -hmm. She's going to love bomb them to death and they're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe anything that I say. And, and that's, that's scary. Yeah. And so the church does the same thing. The church does so many good things. So many. They light the world. I mean. Yes. <laughs> they, get- they wrap it all up in this pretty package of mm-hmm. wonderful things and families can be together forever. And it's this beautiful, beautiful thing. It's just like what you described with the frosting on the, on, what did you say? The, the, the frosting poop cupcake. <laughs> the t- yeah. Frosting, frosting on poop. It's the same thing, right? Every time I talk to people who've never been Mormon, they only ever see the frosting. That's what they tell me. Like, oh, but they, we've known Mormons. They're such good people. It's such an amazing organization. I'm like, well, there's some poop underneath that. <laughs> Just like you were saying. There's a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I worry about my, cause I, you know, if my parents can have, lie and abused me and I still want to be part of my family still do you know and I I I wonder what they can do to my children because they were not they didn't experience it on the same level the same type of thing as you know converts my children didn't experience a lot of the things the converts experienced they only saw nice grandma yeah yeah absolutely well, I, I too, I want to say though, um, again, give yourself grace because I know it's scary to think about the influence that your parents could have or your mom could have on your kids, but also remind yourself, Hey, I got out. I listened to myself. I became a fierce mom who wanted nothing more than to protect my kids and you're still doing it. You're still teaching them. You're, you're teaching them to listen to themselves. You're teaching them to be who they are. And those tools are going to help them help themselves to see through some of this rhetoric as well. So, I mean, it's, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Thank you. I hope so. I hope I don't foresee my kids seeking refuge with my family. I don't foresee that where I had to seek refuge, you know, I don't. So with that, I, I think that they're going to be safe because that's, you go places, <laughs> you know, and I think they'll see through it. And they, but yeah, you know, because they'll always have you as their refuge because you are safe. That's, that's what I hope. And, and I hope yeah. this, my kids, you know, they had some good experiences at church too, but not not a whole lot. So I don't think they'll be. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll be seeking refuge over there. I think they're happy. They're glad to be out. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. And we did have a little bit. We were we're uh, we had it good in that we moved in the middle of the pandemic. I did but too. <laughs> it really saved us because. Mm-hmm. didn't go to church. We went to church a couple of times, but they didn't have friends in, in church. And we just didn't have that here where we live now. And then they had a couple, but then the ward split and we just, oh, and so I have to, you know, I know that 
other people just don't have it as easy. And that, that part has been so easy because we didn't really have to explain to members of the church because in the ward, because we moved and they didn't know us. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they, yeah. we, they just know the uh, family of nine and the mom wears tank top and shorts. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we should stay away from them <laughs> our, our records did transfer so they know we have ties of this way they whatever they've left us alone <laughs> well that's good We're really lucky yeah well that's awesome oh yeah thankfully we didn't have everything bad was, right we, you know i think however the universe works out it did not everything broke <laughs> Right. No, it's actually, it sounds like you kept quite a bit together. Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing, right? You, your, your family and your kids. Yeah. And just, just healing from all that other stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the, and that's going to take some time. I still wake up and I still cry a lot and I miss my dad. I miss mm-hmm. my siblings. I wish I, I could, but. And those are all normal, normal normal feelings. I I say all the time, I think I'm probably going to be processing and deconstructing this for the rest of my life. Not, not in the acute stages where you're just, your world's falling apart and you're kind of super traumatized. But just when you think you've got a lot of things figured out, somebody says something that opens up a new layer, like you pull another layer of the onion back and you're like, oh, now I have to process that. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets, you know, it's, for me, it's gotten, it's gotten actually a year out. I'm, I feel like I'm starting to heal and I'm starting to, I'm writing more. I couldn't, that's what I, my, my account that I made was really just, I needed to get it out. I'm a writer. That's, yeah. I love writing too. It's very cathartic. It is. And that's, I mean, that's what I do for a living is not in the type of writing that I do on this, but that's what I do. And, and so it's taken me almost a year to be able to even write, to, you know, take a step back and write my own story. Say, okay, wait, this Mm -hmm. happened. And so maybe you can tell that. Yeah. The words that don't come out of my mouth as well. (laughs) Actually, actually, I think you're very well spoken and you have said some things that have kind of blown my mind today. So um, I'll give you credit for that for sure. I think you're, I think you're doing a phenomenal job. Well, thank you. I really appreciate your time today and, and sharing your story. Um, I learned so much from you today. I know so many other people need to hear what you have to say. And again, t- going back and touching on what you had said before, just knowing that you're not alone in something, just hearing somebody else say the same thing and having that validation, it really does get the healing process going for some people. So, you know, I, I know it's super vulnerable to do this. It's also many people find very healing, but, but it's not easy. And um, yeah, I, I just appreciate you being willing to share. Thank you. I hope it can help somebody. That's, that's more my, my goal. You know, I, I know it will. Yeah. There's, if there's other people like me and I'd like to connect with other people too, cause you feel so alone when you're going through it. This mm-hmm. feels like the worst thing because <laughs> you're in, where do I go? Who else are there? Others. And I, you know, and so 
whoever, if anybody's listening you're, and it resonate, resonates, that's, I guess, you're not alone and, and it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Like, yeah. It, and there's no sugarcoating this. It sucks. And you're not going to, you know, and that's one thing, sorry, that the church tries to get you to look at all the good things. And my dad tried to get me to look at all the good things that my mom did for me. And it's like, wait a second, you got to look at all the other things. Look at the whole mm-hmm. picture. This sucks. Mm-hmm. And and there's going to be days, I mean, I still have lots of days that I'm just like, this sucks. This is mm-hmm. fun. And, and there are good times. So just, I've had to learn to sit when I feel like I need to cry, I just cry. And I'm, yeah. you know, and then when I feel angry, I, I mean, I'm a runner. I just say, okay, I got to run. I just fight or fight. Mm-hmm. I got to fly away right now. And if, you know, and, and, you know, allow your body to feel what it needs to feel. And I'm still doing that <laughs> a lot. Oh, that's another really key takeaway from this truly is let your body feel what it wants to feel that it's such a, it's such a huge component in healing. And it's another discussion I was having this weekend with a friend was just allowing yourself to sit with your feelings, whatever they are, whether it's joy, sadness, anger, um, regret, whatever, whatever those are, just allow yourself to feel them and, and, and ask yourself, where is this coming from? And allowing yourself that grace yeah. and when you allow yourself that grace it teaches you to allow your children that same thing and i've learned that it's just you know we as parents and this is not this is just you know you i would always say oh you're fine you're fine like no why are you crying talk to me Mm -hmm. going on because don't i don't want to distort my children's reality like mine was at me yeah. or what happened talk to me what's going on and i'm mm-hmm. and teaching them to feel those same feelings when when they yeah. need to feel those feelings so what a gift that that's a that's a gift because you're teaching them to self-regulate and you're teaching them how to process that stuff instead of shoving it down where then it comes back in other ways and eats at you yes no i i, I remember i there's a lady who said that she felt like she left the, left the church and joined the human race. <laughs> I have kept. That's beautiful. I just, I do. I feel like, you know, <laughs> I was part of this thing that didn't allow me to be human. Mm-hmm. And now that I have been more in tune with who I am and who other people are and that they don't exist to serve me. I am here to do my best and, hopefully help other people, you know? Yeah. I love that. I left the church and joined the human race. That's beautiful. I kind of kept that in my, those are not my words. I wish I knew who said it, but. Yeah. That's okay. Was there anything else you wanted to add? No, no, I appreciate the time. I hope I, you know, there's a lot more, but just that, no, if, and I, I don't have, I, I, I'm sharing a lot more as a, as it comes to me on that Instagram page. And I'm not, I'm not here for followers. All I am saying is like, if, if there's things I left out, it's there. And if anybody wants to join me in my story, like I really am not like, I think I have like 300, like that my goal is not, but it's just the rest of the story is coming there. (laughs) 
So that- yeah. Is is that something you'd want to share your Instagram handle name? Sure. If people want to follow up, because I don't have my name really. And so it's not, if people would like more to the story, I guess, because I don't know what I've left out, honestly. That's what it is. And I love to connect with people there. What, um, what's, what Instagram handle should they find you at? So it's her truth be told. So it's her dot truth dot be dot told is what it is. And it's just kind of my, yeah, surviving and the narcissistic abuse is, is so. So, but thank you for your time this morning too. I got you up early so I could. That's okay. It gets me going for the day instead of being lazy. <laughs> I have a lot of things to do today, so that's perfect. <laughs> so I appreciate your time. So, Thank you for joining us on Latter-day Survivors. You can find us on the web at latterdaysurvivors.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Latter-day Survivors. And we're on Twitter at LD Survivors. As survivors of trauma and abuse, we wanted to provide a platform for survivors to share their stories. Many survivors of all types of abuse may be able to recognize and relate to the patterns of behavior in the victims, abusers, families, and friends of the stories shared by other survivors on this podcast. Often as we escape oppressive family, religious, and social constructs to a safer place where we come to see our abuse and all related issues, we are better able to process and begin to heal. We believe that when we share our stories with others, we can also help them to heal. It can take decades for survivors to find the courage to speak about these things. If it is so hard for adults, imagine how difficult it is for a child to speak up. We hope to normalize these discussions so that children can speak to adults earlier. As adults, we must listen and recognize the severity of the abuse, its potential consequences, and the need for action to stop the abuse as early as possible. Just knowing we are not alone, that there are other people who have felt and do feel the same or have endured similar experiences in life can remind us that we are not alone in this. Didn't seem to do you any good 
So hard. 